Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome to Believe in Betting, a Sports Garden Network production. We are your source for sports entertainment, incredible sports intelligence. And now, here's your host, Tom Barton. All right, guys, welcome back to another episode of Believe in Betting. It is week two in the NFL. I have a special guest joining me today, Michael Lombardi, about his new book. We're going to talk about some uh, big topics today as well. So it's good to have a guest on with me today. And we are going to waste no time, jump right into that. After the interview, I'm going to come back, and I'm going to talk about some of the games, some of the trends, some of the things that are going on this week. All right, guys, it's Tom Barton, and I am now joined by Michael Lombardi, Came out with a brand new book, Football Done Right, Setting the Record Straight on the Coaches, Players, and History of the NFL. Well, Michael, let me ask you, what was the catalyst to make you say, you know what, I have to set the record straight on these number of topics? Well, I, I don't presume to be the authority on everything, but I thought there was some injustice in terms of the voting system, especially when it came to coaches. Like, finally, Buddy Parker got into the Hall of Fame. Uh, after he spent so many so many years not, I think Marty Schottenheimer has 200 career wins, 61% winning percentage, and because he has never won uh, a Super Bowl, he's been overlooked. So I think there's been that, and then some players I think have been forgotten about, and that were really good and and made a difference in the league. And I think somebody needs to bring the attention. So that's from a Hall of Fame, and then I think we need to understand a little bit about the history, about why are we here. What did what did Howard Cosell do for this game that made a significant difference? Or Brett Musburger, or Burt Bell, the commissioner, I think, or Kenny Washington, the former player. We would not have football in Los Angeles if it wasn't for Kenny Washington. So I think there's a lot of untold stories that I hope people that buy the book and read it will have said after they put it down. Yeah, I learned a lot from reading this. Yeah, I do think it's kind of interesting that the NFL. I don't want to say shies away from their history, but they don't hearken back to the history. And the game has changed massively, obviously. It was run first, then play defense. Now it's air it out. I understand that. So it's hard to kind of compare statistics. Um, but the Trailblazers do sort of get lost in the shuffle, which is why I like what you did here, because somebody does need to kind of bring it up and say, oh, by the way, I saw a poll recently that had the best 10 tight ends of all time. And obviously with the Travis Kelsey thing, um, that's going to be in the topic. Uh, Mike Dick had not even mentioned. I mean, wasn't even mentioned. Yeah. You know, I do think that the NFL kind of loses their history a little bit. Do you agree? I agree completely. And that's why I wrote the book. I mean, Paul Brown, I think, is the greatest coach of all time. Why? Because Paul Brown is the reason we have coaches. I mean, he made it into a profession. And had he not done that, you know, guys were still selling insurance. He took a, 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 a hobby and turned it into a profession. And yet the Coach of the Year Award isn't named after Paul Brown. You know, no one loved the combine more than Al Davis. No one loved the draft. No one cared about the draft like Al Davis. Like, why don't we name the, the, the NFL combine the Al Davis Invitational? Like, we should honor those who have done an incredible job and advanced the game. I think it's really, really important. I mean, look, the Green Bay Packers don't honor Jack Benisi. Jack Benisi was responsible for 12 Hall of Fame players drafted. Before Lombardi got there, before Lombardi got there, and at the airport in Green Bay in 1960 when they won the Western Division, 
did Lombardi thank? He thanked Jack Benici because he said we would have never been here if it wasn't for Jack Benici. And he had passed away earlier in November at a, at a very early age. And yet this man can't get his name up on the, on the Ring of Honor in Green Bay. I think somebody has to be made aware of those stuff. I, I absolutely love it. I could not agree more on the Al Davis thing. You know, it's like there, there was no football before the Super Bowl era. <laughs> you know, they, in some people's I minds, mean, it really feels like that. It's unbelievable. And, and all the great players from the AFL that made this game so, so great. You know, the Willie Lanier's, the Buck Buchanan's, the Willie Brown's. I mean, you know, this notion that none of those guys could have played today is hogwash. I mean, Dick Buckus would have been a great player today. He would have been, he would have been everything that Makai, uh, Makai Parsons was last night. He would have blitzed. He would have been physical. Nobody would have wanted to block him. I got a Dick Buckus jersey I wear uh, just about every year. So, yeah, I completely agree. Guys, we're on the phone with Michael Lombardi. Football done right. Check out the book, Setting the Record Straight on Coaches, Players, and the History of the NFL. Uh, while I do, look, I could probably take an hour here talking about the history of the NFL. I do want to mention, hey, you nailed it this weekend. You had the Dolphins. You had the Rams. I had the same thing. I told everybody I liked both of those uh, plays. I, I like the Rams a little bit less after the Cooper Cup thing, but give me plus the points. I like them both. Um and I think that the reasoning that you went with really resonates with something that people, sports betters or just fans, forget. And that's coaching and familiarity with the teams, right? The coaching yeah. and the familiarity with both teams always seems to kind of ring true. And your reasoning for both was kind of that coaching aspect, which does get lost. So with that yeah. said, I want to look a, a, across to this week because there is a giant statistic that's out there for Monday night. I mean, it is looming. It is out there. It's like, a, a, you know, just a death warning for the Cleveland Browns who have now lost 19 straight regular season games in Pittsburgh. You look at that game and you go, I know it's new coaches. I know it's new players. I know it's, it's a million different new things. But the familiarity of these two teams and Tomlin owning the Browns does that have to kind of resonate with you? Yeah, it does. It always will. And, you know, look, now it's a new scheme in Cleveland defensively, which I think will certainly help them against Pittsburgh. But, you know, the Browns have not finished ahead of the Steelers since Kevin Mack crossed the goal line <laughs> in 1989, two days before Christmas. And the Browns won the Central Division when it was called the Central. I happened to be in the stadium that day. That's the last time they finished ahead of the Steelers in the standings. There's a reason for that. So you have to take that into account. But you also take into account Mike Tomlin versus Kevin Stefanski, Mike Tomlin versus Jim Schwartz. You have to look at all those layers. Like, how did Jim Schwartz, when he was the offensive coordinator, defense coordinator of the Eagles, when they played the Steelers? You know, because all those things matter. It kind of goes into the, the, the whole portrait. And what you don't want to do is, in any of this, when you're in this kind of field, you, you don't get involved with a – a situation where you're dealing with the unknown. You want to try to find commonality and then you collect data as you go along and then eventually you find a solution or you find a conclusion, but you can't find a conclusion to start off. Everybody that looks at a betting board says, oh, I really like Pittsburgh this week. <laughs> and that's the, that's the kiss of death. When you say that, that's the kiss of death because what you then do is start collecting data to support your theory. And what you have to do is say, I'm going to break the games down this week and then start looking at it. It's funny. I tell everybody all the time. I always pick a game and then I spend the entire week trying to prove my notion wrong. 
yeah, I watched the tape. The I, you can I, do I, it. Yeah, I got I got to try to prove myself wrong. And so many times I go, ah, you know, I like the Bucks this week, and I found I I pulled off. I didn't do anything because, yeah, you know what? I just found too much to go on the other side. Uh, what about? Uh, well, I like Pittsburgh this week a lot. Oh, yeah, I didn't go to San Francisco, but I didn't want to be on the side of the public. Everybody was on Pittsburgh, and I didn't want to be there. I, I was the same way with the Jags. I actually wound up staying with the Jags, but that public number threw me off. It was like eighty-two percent on on the Jags. Uh, but you know what? You look at the film. You look at the tape. You just had to. I, I sweated it out. I mean, your goal line stand. Well, you oh. look if they score. If they would have scored on the one yard line, you would have been sweating out. You would have been a loser. So you know, it's one of those. That's what happens. I mean, most most Jag betters were worried about that game because when they got down there to the one yard line, they thought they were going to get that backdoor cover. I, I was one of them. What about this interesting trend? And we talked about trends and we talked about uh, teams owning other teams and everything else. Uh, Tua owns Belichick. And you can't really say that about a quarterback and a young quarterback and a quarterback in the division. But he's 4-0 against Belichick. 68% completion percentage. He's got no picks in his last two. But he has taken eight sacks in four games. They pressure him a lot. Uh, Tua owning Belichick is very weird. And I heard uh, coaches that I have spoken to Somebody threw out, and I, I wasn't sure if it was tug-in-cheek. He said, hey, you know what? Bill doesn't do well against lefties. And you kind of go, I don't know. Maybe there's something to that because you just don't know a quarterback owning Belichick the way that Tua does. Do you put any stock into that? Uh, I put stock into the fact that Tyree kills the best receiver in football, and he's hard to defend. And I think it makes a lot of plays. I also put a lot of stock into, into they turn the ball over. I mean, the last time they played him in Miami opening day last year, they turned the ball over. They held Miami to 10 points. They gave them 10 with their defense, uh, with their with their offensive turnover. So I think a lot of that plays into it. Look, one thing I do know about the head coach of the Patriots, he will figure out a way to give himself the best chance to win defensively. They just can't turn the ball over. That's what happened to them against Philly last weekend. They turned it over. They played Philly. They held Philly to 251 yards, but they turned the ball over offensively, and they gave spotted Philly 15, 10 points. Yeah, you mentioned Philly. Um, Jalen Hurts didn't look exceptionally good. Okay, you could say that's Belichick. A lot of quarterbacks, Kenny Pickett didn't look good. But I think Joe Burrow looked the worst. Now, a lot of people saying maybe there's still, still a hidden injury there. I'm kind of just saying, look, I've seen the script before. Joe Burrow gets rusty. You know, he's come out. He's injured. Last year, I had the Steelers on the money line. He looked rusty, rusty in that one. Clearly not as bad. Is Joe Burrow concerned moving forward? Or are you kind of in my camp where... You know, he just needs a little while to get his feet under. Well, I think you're missing all the camp. It's hard to do, right? I think you can't have training camp and then come out and just football's a game. You need practice. You need practice against the simulation look where the speed of the game is different. And I think when you miss all of training camp and you miss all of preseason like he has, it's a little bit harder. But that game was a weather game. If you watch the game closely there, the wind was coming. The weather was – the rain was coming sideways. He couldn't really grip the football – the footing wasn't too good. And look, let's face it, the Browns' pass rush was a real problem for him. Last question for you, Michael. I have given this statistic out um, since 1990. Teams that go 2-0 make the playoffs 63% of the time. On the flip side, teams that go 0-2, 9.5% of the time. I mean, you cannot yeah. go 0-2. Kansas City staring at that. There are a lot of good teams staring at that 0-2. Belichick at home could go 0-2. KC, uh, what is the team that you think just simply can't go 0-2 and, and recover from that we thought might be a playoff team? Well, I think any team in the AFC, because there's too many good teams in the AFC. You can't start bad in the AFC. There's too many good teams. 
I think the NFC you can go and two and bounce back, but the NFC, AFC, there's two other than Houston and Indianapolis. I don't know of another team that could make it. I, that KC game is real interesting against the Jags because they are staring at 0-2, uh, and and I think Jacksonville could give them a game. I, I really do. Uh, it's going to depend on Kelsey, obviously, but I think that that that's going to be a game. And Jones. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. All right, Michael, thank you very much. Thank you for all your time today. Guys, go check out the book, Football Done Right, Setting the Record Straight on Coaches, Players, and the History of the NFL. It's a great book for those that like the history of the NFL. Go learn about it. And, Michael, a great call last week. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. Thank you. Have a good one, Michael. Bye-bye. Great stuff like there by uh, Michael Lombardi. Thank you again to him. I got to tell you, you know, I I love how he casually just says, yeah, Tyreek Hill, greatest uh, receiver in football right now. Right? I mean, the best receiver in football right now. Just very casually kind of throws that out there. You know, we had an interesting week one, obviously. Um, but I want to throw out just some things about week two. I mean, rather than go over every game like I do, uh, I'm going to kind of throw out some some quick points that you might want out there. The Eagles, they were, you know, look, they're 13-3 in home openers. They are missing Bradbury. They are missing Gainwell. Um, the over-under for Jordan Addison for receiving yards is 40 and a half. And the over-under for receptions for TJ Hawkinson is four and a half. And there's 90% of money coming in on both sides of the overs there. So that's something interesting. Also, the Eagles last week, uh, they only scored one offensive touchdown. Look, I know they got the game, okay? But the Pats outgained them 382 to 251. Jalen Hurts had a QBR of 36.4. And, you know, you look at that, and he only had one worst game last year. It's it's something that has to be alarming to you. You know, it has to be alarming to you. Because in the back of your head, as good as we all think Jalen Hurts is and how great he is and all this, it's got to be in the back of your head that, you know what, Jalen Hurts is a guy that is still somewhat unproven out there. Still, you need a, a long resume sort of to, I guess, kind of convince people. You still need that resume out there. So that's something to pay attention to when they go at it on Thursday night. Um, we're speaking of some some interesting things that we have to be careful about. Daniel Jones is one of them. Daniel Jones had a great year last year. He was sacked seven times in the opener. And a lot of this is going to be about, obviously, uh, about what the Cowboys did. And I'll get to that in a moment. Uh, but now Giants left tackle Andrew Thomas is out. He's not sure of the severity of this. He doesn't know what's going on. He was extremely disappointed. Daniel Jones now becomes the Kirk Cousin, Andy Dalton kind of territory. He's now 1-11 straight up in night games in his career. Over the last 20 years, Jones ranks 195th out of 196. Who's worse? Well, the guy that we just mentioned, Andy Dalton. He's the only guy that is worse. That's starting to get into that territory of, uh uh-oh, if you are a Giants fan, because you don't want it to become a trend. Speaking of the Cowboys, they're now 23-6 and six against the spread in 29 divisional games when Dak starts. Dak is a winner. He's maybe not a winner like the Cowboys want, but he's a winner. The Cowboys, by the way, they're 24-11 against the spread in those 35 games. The Cowboys, they generated 23 of 37 dropbacks, or 62%, the fourth highest pressure rate uh, since 2019. Basically, look, what did they do? They, they, they pressured all over the place, and they did a lot without blitzing. That is pretty impressive, guys. They they did a lot of that without blitzing. That's something to pay attention to. Let's go to the Colts. Richardson threw the ball 32 times to midfield or the right. He had just four attempts, two completions, none more than four yards to the left side of the field. 
if I can see that and we can see that on tape, other teams are going to start to see that, especially Houston, who this week is basically a pick at home with a defensive coordinator as their head coach. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense as well. Let's go to the Chicago Bears and the problems there. Justin Fields said the offensive game plan for this last week was lateral passing, downfield passing. I don't know who came up with this game plan, and I don't know why they came up with the game plan, but that's the game plan that this team decided to utilize. Downfield passing was the game plan. I, I have to be honest with you. It just, it is a silly, silly thing to go with if you have the running game that they have and, and somebody like Justin Fields like you do have back there. Now they go into this game. Kyler Gordon, their cornerback, will be out for six to eight weeks. Yeah, that's a major problem. And Justin Fields has been sacked 95 times in 28 career games. Andrew Luck was sacked 174 times in 86 games. Uh, you can see that the pace is just off for Justin Fields. He's running for his life out there. Speaking about running quarterbacks, well, what about Lamar Jackson? Lamar Jackson did not look good. He looked rusty, okay? And we go, look, I, I get it. He looked rusty. Um, he missed a lot of time. When he was not pressured, he was 15 of 15 for 155 yards. That's pretty good. When he was pressured, two of seven for 14 yards. One pick, three sacks. Just get pressure on him. I, I mean, that, that's kind of what it is. But the Ravens, it's also just stay healthy. Of course, they lost their starting running back, but they also lost the starting safety, Marcus Williams. He's going to be out a while, quote unquote. They lost their starting center, Tyler Lindebaum, ankle sprain. He's going to be week to week. Uh, offensive tackle Ronnie Staley, week to week. This is a just banged up team. And, and Marlon Humphrey, he might return this week, but it is a banged up, beaten up Ravens team yet again. I've said this story before, right? The banged up, beaten up Ravens. We have talked about this before. The Ravens are, however, 18-3-1 against the spread. The last 22 is an underdog. They do well. They're three and a half points uh, uh, underdogs against Cincinnati this week. The Ravens are also 1-4 straight up, 1-3-1 against the spread against the Bengals. But Lamar missed three of those games. So how much stock do you put into trends? Well, there you go, right? We talk about how much stock to put into trends and stock and what we're talking about. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, for the Chiefs, Chris Jones will be back. We don't know what kind of uh, pitch count he's going to be on, but he will be back. When we start to talk about and break things down quarterback-wise, and, and we mentioned the, the Bengals, by the way. Joe Burrow, I just want to mention this. Um, Joe Burrow was awful with 82 yards, right? He became the highest-paid player. Uh, a lot of people inside the building are starting to believe that, no, that is not a fluky kind of stat, that Joe Burrow was not exactly healthy, not that he was rusty. That's something to pay attention to here. Let's talk a little bit about the Steelers. Cam Hayward will have surgery. He will be out of this game, and I think that's a huge loss. The Steelers also, their offense is terrible. They've now gone 36 straight games under offense coordinator Matt Canada without allowing, uh, without gaining 400 yards of offense. They don't allow a lot, but man, you can't do that in a league where it's pure offense. And Matt Canada actually opened up the press conference Thursday morning as an offense coordinator, a weird way to kind of open it up. But yeah, that's what he did. Uh, you start to look at other injuries around the league. The Jets, we understand that, right? We, we know what that is. Uh, Deontay Johnson also out for the Steelers. The Broncos tight end will be out for them. The Panthers lose cornerback J.C. Horn. That's a huge loss as well. So while everybody's looking at, you know, Rodgers and what they did with him and, and the Jets got to Allen the third most and sacked him, you know, five, uh, the fifth most in the league and Allen looked bad. Man, look, I, I think the Bills are going to be okay. Overall, 
And I think that the Jets are, are kind of going to be better than people think. I know that that went from a three-point underdog to up to nine-point underdogs. I get that. But the reality is, is that they're probably going to be okay. The worry that you start to have is injuries uh, that will be on top of them. Can they back, get by Rodgers and run the ball and play good defense? Yeah, I think so. Um, can uh, Josh Allen turn around and go home and play well? Yeah, and effectively, yeah. You can't get by injuries. We've had some major, major injuries here in week one. All right, guys, that's going to do it for me. You're asking me for my week one prediction, my my number one overall bet. One. Look, I told you guys, Jacksonville last week. My number one overall prediction here. Look, I'm going to take the over in the fun game, the Kansas City and Jacksonville game. 51 is a high number. I get it. That's 27-27, and, and let's keep playing. I'll take some overtime. Jacksonville's going to play very, very well down there. Keep an eye on the weather situation for that one. That, that weather is a, a tough situation to monitor. All right, guys, that's going to do it for me. I'm Tom Barton from Sports Garden. Go check us out. Thank you again to Michael Lombardi. We'll be back, and you can bet on that. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.